2. Skulks Through the Furs. Discoveries Among the Ruins of Nineveh and Babylon. Chap. 21. Page 413. The prophecy said, Neither shall the Arabian pitch tent there. The words might be construed to mean that the famous site would never become the place of a Bedouin village. But it is literally true. Say travelers, that the Arabs avoid the place even for the temporary pitching of their tents. They consider the spot under a curse. They call the ruins Mujalid. The overturned. See, Encyclopedia of Islam. Art. Babiel. As late as 1913. Missionary W. C. Ising visited the site where Professor called while he was excavating the ruins of Nebuchadnezzar's palace. He wrote, involuntarily one is reminded of the prophecy in the 13th of Isaiah and many other places, which, in course of time, have been fulfilled to the letter. No one is living on the site of ancient Babylon, and whatever Arabs are employed by the excavators have built their mud huts in the bed of the ancient river, which at the present time is shifted half a mile farther west. European Division Quarterly, 4th Quarter, 1913, Egypt and Eden The massive ruins by the Nile bear witness to prophecy fulfilled, when Egypt rivaled Babylon, the word was spoken, it shall be the basest of the kingdoms, neither shall it exalt itself any more above the nations, is, 29 minutes and 15 seconds, it was not utterly to pass, as Babylon, but to continue in inferior state, thus it came to pass, once populous Edom, famed for wisdom and counsel, now lies desolate, according to the word, Edom shall be a desolation, every one that goeth by it shall be astonished, Jer, 49 minutes and 17 seconds, the testimony of history thus the centuries bear testimony to the fulfillment of the prophetic word, the panorama of all human history moves before us in these writings of the prophets, flinging their colossal shadows across the pages of holy writ, as Farrar says, we see, the giant forms of empires on their way to a ruin. It is no human book that thus from primitive times forecasts the march of history through the ages. The Lord not only spoke the word in warning and entreaty for those to whom it first came, but it is written in the scriptures of truth as a testimony to all time, that the Bible is the word of God, and that all his purposes revealed therein and all the promises of the blessed book are certain and sure. The prophets who bore messages from God to Nineveh, and Babylon, and Tyre, spoke messages also for our day. Fulfilled prophecy is the testimony of the centuries to the living God. The evidence of prophecy and its fulfillment is God's challenge and appeal to men to acknowledge Him as the true God and the Holy Scriptures as His word from heaven. I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth. And I showed them, I did them suddenly, and they came to pass. Because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass, I have even from the beginning declared it to thee, before it came to pass I showed it thee. Thou hast heard, see all this, and will not ye declare it. Isaiah, 48,36. Surely no one can look at the evidence in history of the fulfillment of prophecy without seeing that of a truth the one who spoke these words knew the end from the beginning, and finding the living God in the sure word of prophecy. One must be prepared to listen to his voice in all the scriptures when it speaks of sin and the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. Further, the prophetic word also has much to say of events yet future, of the course of history in modern times. It behooves us to give heed to what that word speaks concerning our own times and the events that are to take place upon the earth before the end. The Apostle Peter exhorts us to the study in these words, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts, 
2 Peter 1 19. Illustration, Daniel interpreting N-E-B-U-C-H-A-D-N-E-Z-Z-A-R's dream, Gao, O King, Sawest, and behold a great image, Dan, 231, footnotes, A, in the book of Jonah, says records of the past, Nineveh is stated to have been an exceeding great city of three days journey, and that being the case, the explanation that Kailan the south and Kursadad on the north were included seems very probable, the distance between these two extreme points is about 30 miles, which, at 10 miles a day, would take the time required. Volume XII, Part 1, January and February, 1913. Prophetic Outline of the World's History The Prophecy of Daniel 2 There is a God in heaven that revealed secrets, and makes known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. In a dream by night the Lord gave to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a clear historical outline of the course of world empire to the end of time and the coming of the eternal kingdom. The king was a thoughtful monarch, and having reached the height of his power, he was one night meditating upon what should come to pass hereafter, not for his sake alone, but for the enlightenment and instruction of men in all time. The Lord answered the wondering question of the king's meditation by giving him the dream. He that revealed secrets, said Daniel the prophet, make known to thee what shall come to pass. Illustration, Babylon in her glory, Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency. Isaiah, 1319, and that we may know at the beginning that there is nothing fanciful and uncertain about this great historic outline reaching to the end of the world, we note first the assurance with which the prophet closed his interpretation, the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure, the details of the dream had been taken from the king's mind, while conviction as to the wondrous import of it remained, this was in God's providence, to show the folly of the worldly wise men of Babylon and to bring before the king the prophet of the Lord with a divine message. The prophet Daniel, under the inspiration of God, brought his dream again to the king's mind, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain, and filled the whole earth. The prophet next declared the interpretation. And now follows the history of the world in miniature. Babylon, thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold, the parts of the image, then, of various metals, from head to feet, represented successive empires beginning with Babylon, and the kingdom of Babylon, represented by Nebuchadnezzar, was the head of gold. History shows how fitly the golden head symbolizes the Babylonian kingdom. Long before, the prophet Isaiah had described it as, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees' excellency. Isaiah, 1319. And now, in Nebuchadnezzar's day, it was the golden age of the Babylonian kingdom. No such gorgeous city as its capital ever before stood on earth and Nebuchadnezzar was the great leader of its conquests, 
and the beautifier and builder of its walls and palaces. For the astonishment of men I have built this house. One tablet reads, and hundreds repeat the story. Those portals for the astonishment of multitudes of people with beauty I adorned, in order that the battle stormed when Gerbel the wall of Babylon might not reach, what no king before me had done. East India House Inscription Thus Nebuchadnezzar's records of stone today repeat the proud most faithfully reported in the scripture. Is not this great Babylon, that I had built? Dan. 4.30 To the king it seemed that such a city could never fall. One inscription reads, Thus I completely made strong the defenses of Babylon. May it last forever. Rawlinson. Fourth Monarchy. Appendix A. Medo Persia but the prophet Daniel, proceeding with the divine interpretation, interrupted all such proud thoughts with the declaration, After thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. Now the look was forward into the future, and the word came to pass. Babylon's decline was swift after Nebuchadnezzar's death. Daniel the prophet himself lived to interpret the handwriting on the wall at Belshazzar's feast, God hath numbered thy kingdom, and finished it. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Thy kingdom is divided, and given to the Medes and Persians. Dan. 526-28. The breast and arms of silver, in the great image, represented the Medo-Persian kingdom, which followed the Babylonian, inferior to it in brilliancy and grandeur, as silver is inferior to gold. Medo-Persia, however, enlarged the borders of the world empire, and the names of Cyrus and Darius are written among the mightiest conquerors of history. But the prophet does not stop to dwell upon the grandeur of fleeting earthly kingdoms. The interpretation hastens on to reach the setting up of a kingdom that shall not pass away. Following Medo-Persia, a third power was to arise, Grisha, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. The third kingdom, after Babylon was Grisha which overthrew the empire of the Medes and Persians, and Grisha's dominion fulfilled the specifications of the prophecy, which indicated a yet wider expansion of empire. Its sway was to be over all the earth, said Daniel the prophet, foretelling its history. Arin, the Greek historian, writing afterward, said that Alexander of Greece seemed truly lord of all the earth, and the ads, I am persuaded there was no nation, city, nor people then in being whither his name did not reach for which reason, whatever origin he might boast of, or claim to himself, there seems to me to have been some divine hand presiding both over his birth and actions, History of the Expedition of Alexander the Great, Book 7, Chap, 30, the sides of brass in the great image represented Grisha, the brazen metal itself being a fitting symbol of those brazen-nailed Greeks, celebrated in ancient poetry and song, among the foremost, armed in glittering brass, a power rising in the west while Grisha's supremacy under Alexander was disputed by none. There was a power rising in the west that was soon to enter the lists for the prize of world dominion. Some of the ancient writers say that at the time of his death Alexander had in mind to push westward to strike down the growing power of the city of Rome, of which he had heard. Plutarch says that this man Alexander, who shot like a star, with incredible swiftness, from the rising to the setting sun Dan was meditating to bring the luster of his arms into Italy. He had heard of the Roman power in Italy. Morals. Chap. On. Fortune of the Romans. Par. 13. Lucan. The ancient Roman poet. Repeats the thought. Driven headlong on by fate's resistless force. Through Asia's realms he took his dreadful course. His ruthless sword laid human nature waste. And desolation followed where he passed. Into the utmost west he would have gone where Taddy's lap receives the setting Sunday, Pharsalia, but in the prime of his years, 
Alexander was cut down, and Rome had yet more time in which to develop its strength preparatory to the deciding contest for the mastery of all the world. Sure it is that after Grecia, there followed the Roman Empire, the strongest and mightiest and most crushing of them all. This fourth universal empire the prophet proceeded to describe, as represented by the legs of iron in Nebuchadnezzar's dream of the great image. Rome, the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. How appropriately the iron of the image fits the character of the fourth great empire. Given, the historian, calls it, the iron monarchy of Rome. It broke in pieces the kingdoms, subduing all, just as prophecy had declared so long before. As iron is strongest of the common metals, so according to the prophecy, as iron that breaketh all these, this fourth kingdom was to be more powerful than any before it. Strabo, the geographer, who lived in the days of Tiberius Caesar, said, The Romans have surpassed in power all former rulers of whom we have any record. Geography. Book 17. Chap. 3. Hippolytus, bishop and martyr, who lived in Rome in the 3rd century, under the Iron Monarchy, wrote thus of this prophecy, Already the iron rules. Already it subdues and breaks all in pieces, already it brings all the unwilling into subjection, already we see these things ourselves. Treatise on Christ and Antichrist. Seconds 33. Hippolytus also saw clearly from the prophecy that the empire of his day would be divided, and he wrote of the kingdoms that were yet to arise out of it. For Daniel's interpretation explained clearly the meaning of the mingling of clay with the iron in the feet and toes of the great image. The kingdoms of modern Europe, whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron, and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, and partly broken, and whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another. Even as iron is not mixed with clay, the kingdom shall be divided, so declared the prophet of God. In the height of its power, Rome scouted the thought that so mighty a fabric could ever be broken up. Horace sang in his, Olds, how, added to a conquered world, Euphrates baits his tide, and huns, beyond our frontiers hurled, or straitened deserts ride, the Goths beyond the sea may plot, the warlike Basques may plan, friend, never heed them, vex thee not. For this our mortal span of little wants. Book 2. Marys's translation. But the words were written on the ancient parchment in the days of Babylon. The kingdom shall be divided, and true to the word of the prophet. The Roman Empire fell apart with the mixture of nations and peoples that swept into it. The elements did not hold together. Even as the mixture of iron and clay in the image did not cleave together. Broken up by the invasions of fresh nations from the north. The western empire was divided into a lesser kingdoms out of which have grown the modern nations of Western Europe. Not one word in the outline of the prophecy thus far has failed of fulfillment. These modern kingdoms growing out of divided Rome have never been reunited. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, said the prophecy. Nearly all the reigning houses of Europe today are related by intermarriage. The prophecy said it would be so, but they shall not cleave one to another. Even as iron is not mixed with clay, so we see it. No statesman. No master of legions, has been able to join these nations together again in one great empire. Charles V had the thought in mind. Some think, Napoleon dreamed of doing it, but it was not to be. 
Nevermore was there to be one universal monarchy. We may know that as surely as the course of world empire has followed the exact outline of the prophecy put on the inspired record in the days of Babylon of old, just so surely the specifications of the closing portion of the outline will be fulfilled. The fourth great kingdom was to be divided. Rome was the fourth empire, it was divided. The kingdoms of the divided empire are acting their part before our eyes today. The next great event and what next? That is the question for us. Now the prophetic outline that began with ancient Babylon touches the things of our own day. The word spoken before Nebuchadnezzar so long ago is now spoken especially to us, in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure, in the days of these kings, these kingdoms of our own time, the next great world-changing event is to be the coming of Christ to begin the setting up of his everlasting kingdom, that is the grand climax toward which all the course of history has been tending, at last the end is to come, down in the feet of iron and of clay, we can divide it, soon to pass away, what will the next great, glorious drama be, Christ and his coming, and eternity, as the stone, cut out of the mountain, without hands, smote the image, so that all its parts, representative of earthly dominion, were ground to dust and blown away, so Christ's coming kingdom, set up, without hands, by no human power, but by the power of the eternal God, will end all earthly dominion and bring the utter destruction of sin and sinners out of the earth. The dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then may all eyes well be turned toward the next great step foretold in the prophetic outline the coming of Christ's glorious everlasting kingdom, which shall not pass away. Look for the waymarks as you journey on. Look for the waymarks, passing one by one, down through the ages, past the kingdoms for, where are we standing? Look the waymarks or, illustration, photograph by missionary W.C. is in ruins of the palace of Nebuchadnezzar in which was the hall of Belshazzar's feast. Illustration, the ascension of Christ, the same Jesus, shall so come in like manner. Acts 1:11. Copyright Standard Pub. Company Illustration, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh, lowly, and riding upon an ass. Zek. 9:9. The second coming of Christ, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Heb. 9:28. Too often the second coming of Christ is looked upon simply as a doctrine. It island however, more than a doctrine merely to be believed, it is an impending event. Something that is to take place on earth. And the most stupendous, all transcendent event for the world since Christ came the first time to die on Calvary for the sins of men. The second coming of Christ, like his first coming, has been the theme of divine prophecy from the beginning. This was emphasized by the Apostle Peter in his second recorded sermon. He pressed upon the people of Jerusalem the fact that the things which God beforehand showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, Acts 3.18, had been fulfilled to the letter before their eyes. Not a word had failed. Just so, he said, all that the prophets had spoken of his second coming would be fulfilled. He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began, Acts 3.20, 
21. The promise of his coming as iniquity began to abound. God sent a message to the antediluvian world, declaring that Christ's coming in glory would end the reign of sin. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, to execute judgment upon all. Jude 14, 15. The promise of Christ's coming was the blessed hope in the patriarchal age. In Job's dark hour of trial his heart clung to the promise, and he was kept from despair. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eye shall behold, and not another. Job 19:25-27. The psalmist sang of it, Our God shall come, and shall not keep silence, a fire shall devour before him and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. P.S. 50 colon 3. And the prophets of later times were unceasingly moved upon to talk of the glory of that coming, of events preceding it, and of the preparation for it. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night, ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world, say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, Thy salvation cometh, behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Isaiah, 62 6, 11. The message of his coming is to be heralded to the ends of the earth, for it is good tidings of great joy to everyone who will receive it. On that last night with his disciples before the crucifixion, when his heart was sorrowful even unto death, as the burden of all our iniquities was about to be laid upon him, Christ's love for his own made precious to him he thought of his second coming to gather them home at last, safe from all sin and trouble, and he said, Let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14:13. In that assurance the heart finds rest. Oh the preciousness of the promise. I will come again. I am coming for you. Is the cheering message. Yes. Lord. We reply. We will wait. And watch. And be ready. By thy grace. The manner of his coming Christ's second coming is to be visible to all the world. There is to be nothing secret or mystical about it. The revelar says. Behold. He cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him. Ref. 1 colon 7. Christ himself described the scene to his disciples as it will appear to the eyes of all, as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Matt. 24 minutes and 27 seconds. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Mark 14 26. The day of the Lord the close of probation. The initial outpouring of the judgments of God will come, as a thief in the night. But Christ's personal appearing will be visible to all. The heavens will open. The earthquake. The trump of God resound. And such glory as more light has never seen will burst upon the world when he comes as King of kings and Lord of lords. He comes not an infant in Bethlehem born. He comes not to a lion a manger. He comes not again to be treated with scorn. He comes not a shelterless stranger. He comes not to Gethsemane. To a weak and sweat blood in the garden. He comes not to die on the tree. To purchase for rebels a pardon. Oh. No. Glory. Bright glory. Environs him now. Illustration. The transfiguration a type of his coming. Behold. There appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. 
Matt. 17 3. This same Jesus, the Lord would have his children understand that this one who comes in power and glory is the same Savior of men who once walked by Blue Galilee, as the disciples were watching their Savior, and ours, ascending bodily into heaven from Olivet, until, a cloud received him out of their sight. Suddenly two angels stood by them, who said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Acts 1 9, 11. The same Jesus. It was the loving friend and elder brother, son of man as well as son of God, who was passing from their sight. He will come back the same Jesus, though in glory indescribable having, all the holy angels with him, the prophet Habakkuk thus described Christ's glorious appearing, as it was represented to him in vision, his glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise, and his brightness was as the light, he had rays coming forth from his hand, and there was the hiding of his power, Hab, 3 colon 3, 4, they are the surely it is the same Jesus, and the mark of the cruel nails is the shining badge of his power to save. I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hands, as the redeemed see him who was crucified for them coming in glory, they will cry, Lo, this is our God, we have waked for him, and he will save us, this is the Lord, we have waked for him, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation, Isaiah, 25 9, but that day will be a day of darkness as well as of light, be unready, be unrepentant will realize too late that in rejecting Christ's pardon and love and sacrifice, they have rejected the only means by which they might have been prepared to meet the coming King, before whose face no sin can endure, every eye shall see him, the Apostle says, and he describes the terror of that day to the unprepared, the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Ref. 6:15-17. The scenes of that great day are so beyond human comprehension that it is difficult to realize that such a time is actually before us. Then, O oh my Lord, prepare my soul for that great day. The purpose of his coming the scriptures make very clear the purpose of Christ's second coming and the events of that great day. It has been the hope of the children of God through all the ages. The Apostle Paul calls it the blessed hope. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Titus 2 11, 13 The saints of God have fallen asleep in death with their faith reaching forward to Christ's glorious appearing. So the veteran apostle fell, with eyes upon, that day. I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing, to Tim, 4 colon 6 8, Christ's second coming is the grand climax of the plan of salvation, not till then are the children of God ushered into the eternal kingdom, then the crowns of life are bestowed, and the saved all go together through the gates into the city patriarch and prophet, apostle and reformer, 
and the child of God of this last generation, of the ancient worthies it is written, these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect, Heb. 11.39, 40. What a glorious day it will be when the ransomed of all the ages, marching together through the gates into the city, it is to take his children to their eternal home that Christ comes the second time. This was his promise to the disciples, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. John 14 2, 3. Not in detail, but in their general order. Let us follow the events of that great day. Illustration, Christ coming in glory, the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. Matt. 25 minutes and 31 seconds. The prelude to his coming as the reveler saw it and heard it in a vision of the last day, there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven, from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices, and thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God, Ref. 16 17 19, the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places, Ref. 6 14, his glorious appearing then bursts upon the world the glory of our Savior is coming, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. Matt. 24 minutes and 30 seconds. 31. I looked, and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle, and another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Ref. 14 14. 15. The resurrection of the just, and the translation of the living righteous the time to reap has come, and the wheat is gathered at last into the garner of the Lord, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, one corp. 1551-52. He shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four 